Everybody, welcome to Scarlet Fever. There's a couple little, I don't know, allusions or references there, Dave. One is the old book, The Scarlet Letter, where the lady had committed adultery with this guy and she had to wear the scarlet letter A around the village to show that she was an adulterer. Of course, the man didn't. The fever... I'll attribute to Ted Nugent and his Mm. album, Cat Scratch Fever. Ah. The first time I got it, I was just 10 years old. Got it from some little kitty next door. That's where we're going, folks, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that fever, otherwise known as natural and, well, I was going to say frequent. (laughs) Uh it's ubiquitous. <laughs> Most people go through the fever of sexual activity, sexual adolescence, sexual awakening, if you will. And the church has all sorts of fucked up teachings about sexuality. That fuck up the people who are the recipient of the teachings. That's right. And who trust in those teachings, do they not? Let's talk first, Dave, before we jump into this crazy topic about a little bit of, you know, the LDS Church in the Uh, I need to just let that go. I try to change it like every time and it gets crazier. Yes, LDS Church announces Orm Temple groundbreaking because there's not enough temples in Utah. I don't and know how many. There are again, now. the more ch- temples you have, the more true your church is. That's right. Just look around. See all those steeples? See how mm. true the church is or ever present? Yeah, which means the Southern evangelical churches are true when you live in the South. Right. You see the right. On it, their corner. Yeah. Demographics and shit. Yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> uh, here's an article. Racists need to repent. Says oh, LDS president as Utah faith leaders call for end to prejudice violence. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> Pot and kettle, I guess going on here again. Quote, We join with many throughout this nation and around the world who are deeply saddened at recent evidences of racism and a blatant disregard for human life, the 95-year-old leader of the church's wrote Monday. Quote, we abhor the reality that some would deny others respect and the most basic of freedoms because of the color of his or her skin. Hmm. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah. Um, the almighty quote calls on each of us to abandon attitudes of prejudice against any group of God's children. He added any of us who has prejudice towards another race needs to repent. Oh, okay. hmm. and that'll change it. Thousands of years of racial tensions will just go away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, Where do I even start with that? 
Nah, it's a different subject, so let's not. <laughs> but yeah, obviously we're pointing to the hypocrisy of such a statement like that. Fuck, come on. And the Book of Mormon itself, folks, let's recall, directly talks about, you know, the Lamanites being filthy and loathsome with their dark skin, right? It's, for God's sake, whatever, man. Yeah, that's just interesting. Another reference to filthy, which we'll follow up on here shortly. That's right. That's right. We have uh, an interesting episode today, I think. I want to jump into another little segment first that we call, every time we call it, (laughs) your information. All right. Let's see, folks. This is a really (laughs) uplifting start to this list. July 30th, 1928, death of ex-governor John C. Cutler from self-inflicted gunshot. Um, Utah's chief executive from 1905 to 1909, Cutler is the only Utah governor to commit suicide. So there's no details about whether he was suffering from mental illness, grief, depression. Just there it is. He offed himself. 1929. Oh, this is going to figure to be an interesting year. March 28th. First presidency in 12 decide to disband private prayer circle organizations, which meet weekly or monthly in temples until, and this surprised the hell out of me, until 1978, local stakes continue to have prayer circle meetings in temples or in special rooms of stake meeting houses. I did not know it went on that long. Huh. Me either. That's yeah. Interesting. 78. That, uh, that's, that's a long three time. things now significant yeah. that happened that year. It went almost up to like 80, right? But yeah, 78 yeah. being a significant year. I wonder, so what we're talking about, just for clarity's sake, we're talking about people would do the special order of prayer other than in the temple ceremony. So they would do it like outside and well, this is the, yes. this is the true order of prayer. So we're going to follow it in this meeting or, okay. Interesting. Recalling the first times that this happened in LDS church history, it was an upper room mm-hmm. uh, above Newell K. Whitney storehouse. If I'm not, I think you're mistaken. right. Yeah. Uh, something like that. It's always the upper room hidden away, secluded for the special Only special people get to attend. All right. Enough of that. This is interesting. May 14th, first verified date of Lauren C. Woolley's ordination of his priesthood Council of Friends. He claims he is the last survivor of the Council of Friends ordained by John Taylor in 1886 to keep plural marriage alive. So a secret underground group. Yeah, yeah. There we go. He's the the last one, the last of a dying breed, trying to keep that one true order of marriage alive Uh so that God won't smite the earth. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) August 14th, Elder Yates of the Church of Christ asked Heber J. Grant for permission to solicit donations for the construction of the temple at Independence, Missouri. Now, check this answer. President Grant declines to assist in erecting a temple for a church 
with which we have no connection, whatever. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Forgot to read my own fucking history book. Whoopsie. <laughs> damn. These guys are either senile or, you know, selective memory loss. That's what oh, it is. Geez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's some more fun. September 22nd, senior 70s president and assistant church historian, B.H. Roberts, tells congregation in Salt Lake Tabernacle that the Latter-day Saints are conscious of receding from the zenith in early Mormonism in that they are no longer flooded with revelation. We read that last week. I I had to reread it. You had to jump ahead a week because it's this. Oh, he's going to piss him off again here Uh a couple years from now. He just, this guy, I love him. I actually (laughs) love this guy. He just says it like it is. How dare he tell the <laughs> truth? What in the hell is he thinking? Yeah. All right. Let's jump into 1930. So significant year, 100 years since the church was organized, if that even ever really happened. Okay. The message of the ages is performed in the Salt Lake Tabernacle as the first historical pageant of the LDS church. Similar LDS pageants develop at other sites from Calgary, Canada, to Manti, Utah, to Auckland, New Zealand. So, yeah. And, well, yeah, the Hill Kimura pageant, of course. So, that I so, guess that's what it was. It's just started with a different name. Is that? Yeah. 1930. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. And they stopped uh, those pageants, right? I mean, relatively recently, within the last... Well, with the COVID thing, for years. sure. Well, yeah, I think even before COVID, they stopped. Yeah, that, really? I have to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's something just off the wall here. Again, 1930, June 18th, Heber J. Grant writes that he has no objection to an LDS woman receiving a temple recommend despite her self-inflicted abortion three years ago. Ooh. Now, the doctrine... It's policy. It's not doctrine. It's policy because God doesn't know what he thinks about these things. Right. He's constantly changing his mind. Uh, she would have never gotten a recommend. In, no, you know, she in would. Recent history. Not no. today. No. And may have had her membership in question. Yeah. I wonder if, it, if there's history there. The reasoning or the environment behind the abortion caused him to be persuaded to let her Yeah, it's interesting. All right, let's end on a monetary note. Now, we just passed the year 1929, in which we know of a historical event called the stock market crash. Mm -hmm. October 18th, wasn't it? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, And then the ensuing years, it really bottomed out in about 33, 1933. Mm -hmm. But here's a statement that talks a little bit about some finances in the church. Hmm. September 4th, first counselor, Anthony W. Ivins. Now, when I say first counselor in the first presidency, okay, right. computes that church lost $6 million oh. in stock investments and 900000 in loans and business transactions with the presiding bishop, Charles W. Nibley, before... That happened, okay, check this, before his appointment as second counselor in the first presidency. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, 
That's what's that about? What? <laughs> uh, this guy he lost millions, and I think uh, he should be a member of the first presidency. This guy's yeah. got, yeah. And of course, he asked God for a revelation on where to put the money in the stock market. And you are well aware, I'm sure, of the fact that God runs the stock market. Of course he does. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. This is his plan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so if people lose everything, commit suicide, it, it's not his fault. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, wait a minute. Wouldn't that? <laughs> Never mind. Where are we going? That's blasting. That's not- I don't know. I don't know. There's so much more and I, I never know when to stop. It's partly so humorous that I want to keep going. And secondly, it's so just disturbing that I want yes. to stop. Yes. So there's two things going on at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of like a train wreck, right? You don't want to <laughs> stop looking, but it's, te- yeah. There, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Right. Very good. So guys, with that behind us, literally, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit about sexuality in the Church of Jesus Christ, and why we would call this the scarlet fever. Well, obviously the fever we talked about, this feverish, you know, hormonal change that comes over people as they enter their sexual awakening, if you will, and the scarlet part being the shaming and so forth, which is a huge, huge part of the church culture and teachings that are wrapped around this topic. And so, as I've done in the past sometimes, I kind of pulled up various different sources, and we'll actually play some audio clips here too that I think will be very instructional for us, so to speak. But one of those articles, if you guys are interested in looking at this, is simply the Wikipedia article titled Sexuality and Mormonism. And it's actually very interesting, as many of these are. And it goes through different sections here. And we're going to go through a sort of an agenda today as we talk about some of these things and what the church teaches, the hypocrisy and ironies of a lot of that, as usual, in the church. And also, as usual, and unfortunately, the damage that this does to the members of the church, both mentally, socially, sexually uh, as Mm -hmm. well, so emotionally. So the titles of the headings, if you will, in this Sexuality and Mormonism article, chastity is the concept here. The church teaches chastity. We'll talk about what is that definition of chastity. They teach against a bunch of things, uh, including masturbation, including petting. I looked up that word because Dave, you and I talked about this <laughs> funny word, petting, before we recorded the episode. Come here, was, little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking to see, you know, it just sounds like one of those words that the church would have created, right? And I tried to look up the background of this thing. One source, dictionary.com, informal, kissing, caressing, and other sexual activity between partners that does not involve sexual intercourse. Compare heavy petting. (laughs) An album by UFO, by the way. (laughs) 
heavy, heavy petting. Oh, and they got wow. a bunch bunch of monkeys on the cover. <laughs> so I, you can go with, with wherever you want to go with that. Well, when was that album released? Oh, shit. 73? Okay. Four? So uh, you know. Johnny, Johnny, don't pet the monkey. <laughs> you know what happens when you pet the monkey. <laughs> so obviously they were doing a play on words there. And yeah. I can't imagine they got that from the Mormon church, bro. No. Hell no. So petting was a word. It was a concept outside of the church. Of course, I wouldn't have known that because I grew up in the church. And so how could I have differentiated, right? Whether this... I. It just seemed to be a word that people didn't use much outside of the church. But it says the origin of it was 1870 to 1875, which could have still been the church, right? If you think of the timing of that. Anyway, I don't want to get way into that. It's just interesting. It's a silly word, I think, as you would pet a pet, (laughs) which English, (laughs) really? Pet. Verb, pet, noun, you're petting a pet. Yeah, what the hell? English is (laughs) fucked up, dude. Anyway, (laughs) back to the point. So there's a lot of stuff that was taught in the church, including this concept of what's okay, what isn't, even when you are married. And we're going to talk about a couple really weird fucked up things. Even dancing. So we're talking like Amish level. No no offense if any of our listeners are Amish or have relatives that are Amish. That's what I think of, though, when I think of stuff like that. Birth control and abortion, marriage, sexual orientation, gender. So lots of interesting topics in this article. We're not going to talk about every single one of those in great detail, but let's start with the teachings on sexuality and the act of sex in the Mormon church. Dave, if you will treat us to an excerpt from Alma 39. This is one of the most infamous set of scriptures here. Verses 3 through 5. How serious is this concept of sexual sin in the church? This is Alma talking to his son, Corianton. Yes. And this is not all, my son. Thou didst do that which was grievous unto me, for thou didst forsake the ministry, and did go over unto the land of Siren, among the borders of the Lamanites, after the harlot Isabel. Well, she's known by many names, but yeah, yeah. Isabel. <laughs> yeah. And she did steal away the hearts of many. But this was no excuse for thee, my son. Thou shouldest have tended to the ministry wherewith thou was entrusted. Know ye not, my son, that these things are an abomination in the sight of God? (laughs) Yea, most abominable above all sins, save it be the shedding of blood or denying the Holy Ghost? Wow. Uh, Yeah. So let let me just real quick in verse 9. But cross yourselves in these things, he says. And I heard many discourses from general authorities about what Alma meant by the words cross yourselves. I think he meant buy a chastity belt and put it across your waist so uh, that you can keep from. No, no. not. not that's no. Not 
Damn it. I don't think so. But what's funny, wasn't that kind of like an evangelical Christian saying? Cross yourself. Cross yourself. Yeah. Or well, even Catholic. When you, the Catholics, when they walk yeah. into a congregation, cross themselves, yeah. make the shape of the cross across you know, their breast and their head. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so cross yourselves. In other words, whenever you get a heart on, <laughs> think about where that's going to lead you. <laughs> Don't let the little head do the thinking for the big head, right? Basically. Which is not terrible life advice. And we're not saying it is bad life advice, but really next to shedding innocent blood, that's how serious this is taught in the church. You had another quote. You actually shared it, I think, before from D. Michael Quinn, right? Um, Yes. Some episodes ago. Uh, This is a few weeks ago. Let's get this out. Apostle John W. Taylor Tell stake priesthood meeting that those who have sexual intercourse with their wives or touch any dead body <laughs> are unclean until evening and therefore should not enter the temple or officiate in ordinances of the gospel. Right. So he's equating sexual intercourse with your spouse as an unclean act. And like touching a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So, sorry, honey, for the reference, but when I have sex with you, I think of dead people. (laughs) What the fuck? And there's another quote you had a hard time finding again, but our listeners will remember. It was only a few episodes ago, and the guy said, you have sex primarily for procreation. Like, that's why you you don't have sex for any other reason. Right. It's sexual intercourse outside of a procreation was considered adultery is what he said. How insane is that? So it seems like the Mormon church is going to create guilt as many ways as possible. Yeah, that's right. They'll take anything and turn it around for you to feel guilty because we all know that that endears you to God and makes a better person out of you and makes you live a better life and a happier life. Yeah, if you're guilty all the time. That's a good healthy emotional construct, guilt. Yeah, it's it's very empowering. (laughs) I want to play some quotes from Richard G. Scott. And, you know, known back in the day as Dick Scott. (laughs) With this concept or this topic in mind. So back in the day, he talked to, I think I, I remember listening to this. He talked to the young men about this topic and shared some interesting observations, tidbits, advice, whatever, that are very revealing as far as telling us how the church thinks about this. The one interesting thing about Scott, for any listeners who haven't heard him, I think most of you are probably at least familiar with Mormonism or have been members or are still maybe going to church now. He's got this very interesting demeanor, and he reminds me, I know this is going to sound crazy, but of the actor who plays the Emperor in the Star Wars movies, (laughs) Emperor Palpatine. And so I started, you know, as I was looking at this guy and recording some of this audio for the episode, I started thinking of the emperor. And here we have this analogy of the dark side 
and the light side of the force. And, you know, these feelings, these sexual feelings, they're really from the dark side and they'll lead you to destruction and anger and darkness and whatever. But with the good side of the force, David, you can overcome them. And, and you know, yes. Luke Skywalker is a witness to it. He used his right hand to jerk <laughs> off and he lost his right hand. So, I mean, there's your, there's your, anyway. But I don't think he went blind though. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so here's an interesting thing. And you need to remember as you're listening to Scott here again, Remember something that Vader taught us as he learned from the Emperor very well, that that would be Darth Vader. You don't know the power of the dark side. Yes. (laughs) And that's what Richard G. Scott's trying to remind the poor little deacons in the audience <laughs> cool so he he's a star wars fan that's awesome yes, yes yeah. he is but you know before we get into some of those things let's jump to his definition we talked about what the church teaches how serious it is what are you allowed to do and what not to do how about that and i'm gonna jump to a, a spot here in his discussion where he tries to give a very succinct description any sexual intimacy outside of the bonds of marriage i mean any intentional contact with the sacred private parts of another's body with or without clothing is a sin forbidden by god it is also a transgression to intentionally stimulate these emotions within your own body. So there you go. That's the definition. So the grand, I will call it the grand mind fuck for an adolescent who's just discovering this procreative factory, as Packer called it, the little factory and, (laughs) and just eyes wide open Right. Feeling an, as an individual for the first time, like, you know, I'm kind of almost an adult. I'm thinking for myself now a mm. little bit, maybe, yeah. maybe not so much in a Mormon family, but these hormones are rushing through my body. And oh my God, I look at that girl or look yeah. at that boy. And oh, wow. What is I going just, on? Yeah. Yeah. I really want to explore. What it's what's going on under that T-shirt or whatever. Okay, so and now I go to church and then during the week and at home and family home evening and every other fucking thing. And I hear about the fact that if I were to go ahead and explore any of that, I could die. Yeah, that's right. Eternally fucking die. It's a sin (laughs) like next to murder. Yeah. Thank you, God, for the grand mind fuck yes. that will follow me the rest of my life in Mormonism. There's my little soapbox thing there. Oh, you're right. That's really the where it starts, right? And even before you're an adolescent, you're starting to get these kind of private one-on-one interviews with bishops, stake presidents, etc. We've talked about the danger of that in and of itself as you bring up 
sexuality, sexual topics in a private, closed-door, one-on-one meeting with a minor. How more fucked up and dangerous can you be? Where exactly did you touch her? And what were you thinking when you touched her there? And hang on, let me adjust my... Hang on, I got to... <laughs> Okay, now go ahead with oh, oh go, come on, man! How yeah, fucking sick is that? It's fucked up, and I remember as a little kid. I mean, you you listen to things at school, right? You hear people talking about things, whatever. You see things, read things, hear things, but you don't know much at all when you're a little kid, right? And I remember, no. and this has been the case for a lot of people I've talked to. And a lot of people who've come out later in life and said, hey, they were groomed by these guys, right? Where they unfortunately yeah. had a bishop that was a pedophile or whatever. And thankfully, I didn't, or at least one that, that was trying no. to groom me. But some people have, right? And so, and they'll say, you know, the first time, for example, that I heard the word masturbation or the first time I heard about this or that sexual activity or topic was with my fucking bishop, Right. Because they like they're told to bring it up and ask these kids about their sexual lives as young as like eight, nine years old. Some of these. So they they are the introduction. Yeah. The kid knew nothing about it until, thank God, God's representative instructed him about it. Now, I'm going to let you know about something that you don't know anything about and that you should never do. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Getting to be 10, 11. Have you ever had this or that feeling? No, no, I can't say I have yet. Well, you you will in the next year or two here probably. And you shouldn't masturbate. What, what's that? Well, that's when you touch your own private parts. And well, why, you know, and you start talking. I mean, that alone, right? Whatever, man. So you get yeah, they're being instructed again you that's know? right you get these feelings like, right as the emperor might say if you saw a member of the opposite sex during this period you want this don't you <laughs> yes he's going to tempt you you want this don't you i met oh, a girl yeah unfortunately who sounded just like that you <laughs> want this oh she's- <laughs> Did, was she like drinking hard whiskey? Did she have that before? Yeah. She was hardcore. And it's it's kind of like in Crocodile Dundee where it's like, hey, man, that's a guy. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, we'll just walk around that topic, Davey, if you don't mind. <laughs> we may have to extricate that from the podcast. Yeah. And so here we go. Here's how he introduces this topic, Mr. Scott. Present tonight are many young men who hold the priesthood of God. Some of you look forward to being a missionary when you're older. Others are planning to go soon. Still others have completed missions and are seeking an eternal companion. I am sobered by the realization that some of you will not reach these worthy goals because of other choices you are making now. Isn't that a great introduction? Guilt. Guilt, guilt. The dark side is going to take some of you. I'm so sad to say that. Look around. The boy to the left, the man to the right, they may be taken by the dark side. Oh, my God. There's a song by Black Sabbath called Into the Void. And that just came to mind, thinking about souls just... (laughs) 
just sucked right into the fucking dark side, into the void forever. Lost. Yeah. You know, lost forever. Yeah. <laughs> you sounded like Yoda there. <laughs> lost forever you will be. So, <laughs> so listen to this. Okay. Uh, through the force, you can be strong, David. Just remember that. Let's. I'm grateful this is a private priesthood meeting, for I've felt impressed to treat sensitive yet important matters. While they apply to all present, I particularly want to talk with you, young man. I will speak as though you and I were alone in a private oh, interview and no one else shit. could Yeah, that's My disturbing. <laughs> is to help you learn how to make the right choices. That will help you develop strong feelings of self-worth. You'll have confidence to do right and overcome strong negative peer pressures and bad influences. Yes. Yeah, so let's pretend we're having one of those private interviews like we just discussed, where you probably shouldn't be talking about shit like this. No. Especially as someone who's not trained as a counselor, a therapist, who's not been uh, put through a background check and who's not a sexual therapist either. And you're going to start talking to kids about this topic, right? And let's pretend we're in that interview and with the good side, the light side of the forest, you can be strong. Let me tell you how you can do that. Let's hear a little bit more here. As a young boy, I felt that some things I heard discussed by others at school about private parts of the body were wrong. Yet I wasn't really sure how wrong or why they were wrong. So, first of all, delving into Dickie Scott's background, why did he feel they were wrong? Why did he feel that irksomeness or that twin? See what he just did? He yeah. just put himself on a pedestal yeah. as one that is in possession of some kind of deeper discernment than mm-hmm. the average human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a little boy, Dickie yeah. Jr. wasn't getting stimulated or anything. <laughs> Dickie Jr. was staying flaccid and Dickie Sr. was just saying, hmm, when these guys talk about these sexual things, it just feels wrong to me. Ooh, why? Why? Just, I'm so and filled with I'm, God's spirit. Exactly. Just, I'm like yeah. Christ Himself. Well, let's see what else here. You may have similar feelings. No, most of the guys in the audience don't know <laughs> what you're talking about, dude. We, we, <laughs> we would just go hog wild. Your you know? eyes I mean, get big. What? What did you say? You went, oh, that feels wrong. Okay, here we go. Since in tonight's setting, you cannot ask me anything, I will use some of the confidential questions most frequently asked by youth I have met across the world. I will answer them by what I've learned from the scriptures and the prophets. Okay, which scriptures and which prophets? Talk about masturbation titillation <laughs> yeah uh, and we're gonna whatever. talk about the m word in a little bit too assuming i don't forget because that's one of the biggest well yeah you'll see what i'm talking about we'll go on here 
you then will have clear standards from which to make choices. I pray that as we talk, the Holy Ghost will let you feel the truth of what is said. I know that as you listen and think of how our interview applies to you, there will come impressions regarding what to do about it in your own life. Now think about this. He's comparing feelings, which are evasive at best. If, mm-hmm. uh, I, the word is escaping me uh, like vapor. They're, yeah. Okay. That from the Holy Spirit compared to feelings from hormones, mm-hmm. which are raging in your body. Yeah. And saying, no, you've got it backwards. Sorry. Well, Dave, just remember Luke as he was flying down the canal of sin and danger on the Death Star. All he had to do was relax, use the force. (laughs) Use the force. It will guide you. Yes, there's death and destruction all around you. But just tap into your feelings because feelings will save you. Yes, Mm. whatever. So, (laughs) look, you can't please Yoda without upsetting the emperor. Let's let's talk a little (laughs) bit about some of the conundrums. So he goes through the rest of the talk in like a Q&A session. Like he said there, hey, since you can't ask me questions from the audience, you know, in this format, we'll pretend we're in this interview, which is totally healthy with a minor talking about sex. And I'll tell you some of the questions I'm asked as I go around and meet with youth in the world and the answers I would give them and you, right? So you can't please God without upsetting Satan. Well, there's the first concept. Right. So you're going to upset Satan. He goes on with that to say that Satan's going to tempt you, right? Satan's the tempter. This is not, let's be clear, these hormones and how you're feeling and the drive that you're having and the interest in human sexuality, that's not healthy or natural or safe. Or normal. Or or normal. That's Satan. It's not biological. It's not a yeah. very integral part of being a human. It's evil. It's Satan. It's evil. It's temptation, right? So call it what it is. It's darkness and misery and sa- serious, you know, sadness. Remember, you're trifling with something equal to murder here. So just, you know, keep care, guys. What are the effects of giving in to the dark side if you don't follow your feelings, a.k.a. the spirit? Sexual immorality creates a barrier to the influence of the Holy Spirit with all its uplifting, enlightening, empowering capabilities. It causes powerful physical and emotional stimulation in time that creates an unquenchable appetite that drives the offender to ever more serious sin. It engenders selfishness and could produce aggressive acts such as brutality, abortion, sexual abuse, and violent crime. Such stimulation can lead to acts of homosexuality, and they are evil and absolutely wrong. Evil. Oh, there you go. So, 
That's some of Thank what can you. happen when you give in to these natural hormones, David. Violence, you, death, Thank abortion, you. homosexuality, and we know his thought on that. Thank you, God, for building me this way. I can't say it enough times. And then bringing me up in a church that tells me I'm a fucking piece of shit destined for destruction because I'm acting on that which God gave me. Now, let's be clear, people. We're not condoning rampant, irresponsible sexual activity. Hell no. 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 Not at all. So please don't go there. That's not what we're saying. We're talking about the intrusion of guilt at a very young age, which will follow even into your marriage later in life when you're legally and lawfully married and perhaps even in a temple of the church. And you still have sexual stimulation when you see a hot woman or, you know, again, a man that is pleasing, very desirable and pleasing to the taste. Anyway, (laughs) the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's Satan. That's not your body. That's not natural. It's Satan tempting you. It's the emperor. You know, lest you think that your command of the good side of the force is strong enough, the emperor might remind you, David... Your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. (laughs) They're not. You need the Lord. But how do you balance that? Because I'm trying to fight two things here, right? I'm trying to fight to obey God, to be, you know, worthy and chaste, whatever, whether, like you said, married or not, whatever point in my life I am, or even if I never get married, right? These are evil things. But, you know, my hormones are so strong. This feels like something out of my control. I can't stop these hormones from happening. I mean, what am I going to do here? Where is that balance? You definitely would need something like God to be able to balance and give you power to overcome something that's naturally occurring in your body. Does Scott have anything to say about how you're going to achieve this? Let's see. Please stay morally clean. Okay. The Lord will make that possible as you do your part with all your strength. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is use all your strength. That's not much. All your strength, and then the Lord will make it possible for you to basically suppress your hormones and your developing sexuality. It's clear to me now. I understand. I get it. God has filled me with infinite power and Mm -hmm. wants me to be impotent. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. You know what the emperor would say to you, David? Yeah. You know, this is how we want to wrap it up with this last point that you kind of segued into, David, and that is back to this Wikipedia article. Interesting things. So masturbation, I told you I was going to talk about the big M. 
this is probably one of the most prolific activities in the church, especially with boys who seem to be more driven to this, but I won't discount our female compatriots. <laughs> Real quickly on um, that, yeah, and I, yeah. I don't have it in front of me, but the, the X and Y chromosome, when the fetus yeah. is developing, we know that beep, a little tweak happens. They're completely similar yeah. until beep, that this takes place. And when that takes place, the male body now is flooded mm-hmm. with the hormone. And so the natural manifestation of that is men are typically more sexually driven. And yeah, that's where and that stems it, from. Right. We could have an entire conversation about that. And I've talked even with some counselors about similar topics. And it's interesting. In the church, you have this dilemma that we talked about, right? So let's just talk about a boy for a moment, a boy who's approaching adolescence. These things are awakening in the body. The hormones are starting to flow. You know, the freaking wind blows the wrong way and he gets an erection, right? (laughs) At time of life, right? Oh, and a normal so, boy? Okay. Yes, a normal boy. Boys, girls, whatever, as, especially as they get further into adolescence, a lot of them, if they're outside of a religious construct, parents are telling them, you know, whatever, be careful, right? Please, which is always important. But this yeah. is a natural exploration. Well, if you don't have that natural exploration, so now what you've got, this little boy in a Mormon church, he's going to hear things, he's going to see things, especially nowadays, you know, pornography is rampant and very easy to access videos, pictures, you know, whatever, you name it. And the boy is going to start descending, many will anyway, into kind of this spiral of guilt and sexual exploration wrapped up all together in a nice bow with the church. So he's going to start masturbating. He's going to start having these experiences and exploring his sexuality, exploring his body and himself. And immediately, in conjunction with those activities, comes this overwhelming guilt of this is sin, this is evil, filthy, wrong. You're wrong if you think it's natural. It is not. It is sinful. It is part of the carnal body. And you are taught very early and very often that this is an evil, evil thing. And yet you're confused. Back to a point you made earlier, David, of, well, well I ha- I, I'm not choosing this. Like I can't, I'm not choosing to have these mm-hmm. hormones and these drives in my body that are so powerful right? And you can't explain it. It's like, my God, this is like a freaking freight train, right? Like, how am I going to... And so you have this, what happens, because they don't dare, most boys, a lot of them still will end up here, but they don't dare manifest this physically with another partner, at least not at first, usually, right? So this is this private hidden thing, and, and so see, and that's yeah. there's part of the problem besides the right. guilt there's no open discourse there's yeah. nobody you can talk to sure as hell right. can't talk to your parents you no. might joke about it with your with your you friends know, yeah friends but yeah. you can't go to someone in a trusting situation where look man i got to tell you what's really going on with me Oh, right. hell no. So you no. go inward deeper and deeper and yeah. descend into this pool That's exactly of what guilt I was and confusion. At. Yeah. 
guilt right. and confusion. Yeah. Right. Exactly what I was getting at there. You know, the psychological impact that that has. And you could apply this to any topic, guys, any commonly understood or prevalent exploration or activity that you've been told must be restrained or controlled or fought or, you know, pushed against. And you create this psychological dilemma where can't be open, it's hidden, it's secret. And just that fact alone is a psychological problem. Right. And then look at your LGBTQ. Um, oh, even community. worse, right? I even mean, worse. It, Imagine that it, same boy. Even worse. And he's much, much worse. And suicides yeah. just oh my God, escalate. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the church. Yeah. And so you can get a, a smidgen of an idea here, right? Wherever you've been in that spectrum of the, the guilt, the shame, the hidden behavior, the lack of being able to be open and share and understand, right? Your sexuality. And so this is instilled in the youth in the church at a very, very young age. And so this is the behavior, because I'll tell you what, you sure as hell aren't going to teach this, impress upon them this teaching, as we've talked about, and then they're all good. Like they never explore their sexuality. They never masturbate. They never have <laughs> any sex. Come on. Really? You, but that's you what know they would that. have you believe. Because That's what they would have you believe. That, yeah. friend, my closest friends... We did not reveal to each other. Yeah, man, no, I, I masturbate quite, quite often. It, no, no it not even with friends that you sit and look at magazines with. No. You don't say, like hey, this, what, you what were don't. you doing the last time you look at, you know. Right. You don't admit it. Playboy or penthouse, right. whatever. Shameful. Uh, yep. And it, exactly. and it continues on into marriage because a man's drive is sexual drive can be so extreme that mm. he's confused by the fact he was told once he's married that all of those things will be satisfied. And he finds himself perhaps where, well, uh, mm. no, I, I love no, being man. with my wife and our, and our sex life is pretty good, but I find myself in the shower every once in a while. Right. Which and- is, this yeah, it's it's, and here's the thing, right? Here's the bomb drop that I found out very late in my life in the church, and it, <laughs> this is like, and we could go so far on this, and we we want to wrap up a couple other points, so I won't. But there is nothing, folks, at least in the last bishop and stake president manuals that were available publicly, which I those I think those are the last printings. There's nothing in. The Bishop's Handbook, for example, that says when it talks about sins that need to be confessed, right, to the bishop to gain forgiveness and all that kind of stuff, masturbation is not in there. That is a huge, like, bomb drop for a lot of people in the church because you're taught, at least where I grew up, David, I don't know about you, it's in tons of talks, even at the conference level, priesthood sessions, right? Like Dickie Scott's here. It's it's taught, it's mentioned, it's condemned. You're led to believe that that's part of the guilt issue, right? Imagine now, not just guilt of knowing this is sin, whatever, but also the apprehension, the horror, the humiliation, right? Of now this boy going to a bishop. Oh, well, I, I, I masturbate, you know. 
Yeah. Um, and guess what? <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> with masturbation. Yeah. What the hell is he going to do for you? You know, I mean, actually, uh, okay, stop, stop yep. that. N- bad pray boy. Harder. Yeah. You need to pray. Uh, you're giving into Satan. And like Scott said, if you use all your strength, God will enable you to overcome that. Here's a little secret. Bullshit. <laughs> well, he certainly helped Joseph Smith overcome it. And he the sure answer did. was, yes. I will uh, express it with multiple partners. And there now it's go. under control. Emma wasn't because, enough. Let's yeah. bring Fanny into the mix, right? Let's, let's have adultery here. Let's use yeah. the upstairs, the barn, down yeah. the street, around the corner. Yeah. Every building that he frequented was christened, I'm sure. (laughs) There's that last piece that I wanted to talk about. And thanks for pulling me off that little soapbox, Dave. The Mm. teachings versus behaviors, right? So you start with the fucking founder of this religion, Joseph Smith Jr. He was an adulterer. He would have been called a fornicator if the church was using that term back then before he even formed the church, right? Whatever. Well, I guarantee you his local little evangelical neighbors were using that term. He was in trouble across various counties. This is researchable and provable if you want to look up for fraternizing with married women. He had his first affair with Fanny Alger that we know of for sure while he was with Emma. He was not married to Fanny. This is a big apologetic conundrum, right? For polygamy and that whole thing. Well, Fanny Alger was his first plural wife. Actually, no official document that proves they were married, by the way. But Right. The, the, the question would be pointed to Dickie Scott. Yeah. Mr. Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. Brother Scott. Oh, Elder oh, Scott. God. Shit. Man, I keep blowing it. Elder Scott. Did Joseph use all his strength in restraining his sexual prowess? Apparently not. Well, we know, David, that Joseph, as he admitted, had the foibles of youth that he struggled with, but he was still chosen by God. That's right. That's why he went to that grove that didn't exist for forgiveness (laughs) of his sins. What were those sins? Lots of sex. Yeah, wow. so Brigham Young, go forward, right? Even like you have pointed out numerous times, David, other cult leaders, right? Koresh, Jim Jones, these guys had sex. They were having sex with all the women, the married women even in their groups. Didn't matter, much like Joseph. These are the founders. This is the founder. Polygamy continued for a while, even after it was quote unquote said that it wasn't doctrine anymore. Come on, people. You know, and then fast forward to today, bishops, stake presidents having, as Dickie Scott said, this personal interview with a minor about sex. And we've talked about all the unfortunate news about these guys who have been predators, pedophilia, child pornography rings, bishops, stake presidents who are supposed to have the spirit, who are supposed to counsel these adolescents to be strong. So what it seems like is trying to tame this wild horse turns it into a fucking raging beast. Oh, yeah. That manifests yeah. in a more ferocious manner than it would in a person who's just, you know, 
living a normal, natural life. And here's the thing. There's this weird psychological issue that happens when you are fixated on fighting against something. I can't explain it. I'm not a professional psychologist, whatever, psychiatrist. When you fight against something so much, so strongly, all the time, right, you actually, ironically, empower it. When you stop fighting, it loses a ton of its strength. Then this magic happens, which is kind of inexplicable. The human mind and psyche is mysterious, right? When you let it go, when you let go of the fight, you are suddenly empowered. One way of putting it is that which ye resist persists because your tension is on that thing that you're trying to let go of. How in the fuck is that possible when you're completely preoccupied with it? Sex, evil, no. Part of us as humans, yes. A big part, a very integral part of a healthy human is sexuality. It is part of who we are, what we are. Explore your sexuality safely. And that's the thing, right? I mean, the church could preach healthy expression and safe expression of sex. If they taught the healthy version, there would be no guilt produced. And without guilt, there's no control. So that's never going to work. Sorry. You're right. Guilt is one of the major control mechanisms of the church. Thanks for joining us, guys, in this sensitive but important topic. It's extremely abusive and used as a tool in the church, and it's very damaging to people in the church. Shout out to any listeners that are LGBT in that spectrum. If you grew up in the church, I feel for you the guilt and shame and destructive teaching. It's all your fault for showing up in life the way that you are, right? Yeah. What a fucked up teaching. Fucked up church. So God didn't make the mistake when he created you that way. You fucked up by showing up that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. With each passing moment, you make yourself more my servant. Never underestimate his power. <laughs> yes, just remember that. Love you guys. Talk to you later.